Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to Hangouts and Headlines. It's Monday, August 29th, 2022, and I am so happy to be back with you all, hanging out, having fun. I know everybody loves Mondays. I always complain about Mondays when we're here in this space, but some people come out and say they love Mondays. So those of you that love Mondays, well, you're in luck. Today happens to be a Monday, and I'm now back from vacation. I hope you didn't mind me taking a week off, which turned out to be a very newsworthy week as these things tend to go when I leave uh, or seemingly whenever I try to do anything uh, that is outside of either the workspace or the YouTube space or anything else. Although I'm very happy to see all the news items come in, I'll probably be doing catch up all week. But how is everybody else doing? Uh, because I have been gone a little bit, unless you watched Lawyers and Dragons on Saturday or the BitCast yesterday, in which I'm still on your internet somewhere. I am very happy to be back and talking about what else? Elon Musk, Twitter, the various ways that reporters talk about things like discovery requests, which is very interesting because, um, you know, honestly, I'm not a litigator. I'm not doing discovery requests every day. I have participated in depositions uh, and looked at things from that angle. And of course, I'm constantly evaluating those questions for my clients and trying to make sure that they don't find themselves in need of a litigator to the best of my ability. But I still know what's going on a little bit more than seemingly some of the reporters do. And I'm also not that interested in aggrandizing whatever's happening in the discovery process or pretrial motions or things like that. We've seen that when we've talked about other stories, uh, like, of course, Johnny Depp versus Amber Heard, which we are expecting briefs on pretty shortly. I would anticipate covering those briefs probably uh, whenever they do come in. It's about that time. So if you're interested in that, I suspect a lot of YouTube lawyers will be covering those as well uh, when they come in. So we haven't talked about that in a couple of weeks. We probably will be doing that in the near term. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, it's it's interesting to watch reporters try to grapple with things that maybe they're not doing every day, um, but also trying to get people to click on them, right? And I do a very poor job of that, right? Virtual legality, not too great at clickbait, not too great at getting folks necessarily to click on things because I do try to be either honest or as you probably know, very, very punny. I, I like my pun titles. YouTube doesn't like pun titles because nobody is searching for puns of the news articles that they are otherwise interested in. Uh, but I have fun all the same. With that all said, let's talk about where you're all calling in from. Where are we hanging out this morning? We've got uh, good afternoon from a Romanian in Germany. Good morning from Tennessee. Good morning, Tennessee. Love to see it. Greetings from Sweden. Fantastic. Good morning from Ohio. And yes, I caught both those streams, but I missed Hangouts and Headlines. Nonetheless, who can blame you? I, I love this show. I love having fun and seeing you all every morning, uh, hanging out, uh, talking about nonsense sometimes, talking about serious stuff other times. Uh, and uh, that's that's a lot of fun. Hi from Melbourne, Australia. I like Monday well enough now that it's almost over. Yeah, that feels good, right, Australia? I'm talking about Monday morning. It's 7.30 in the morning here for me. It's over for you. You got through it. You got through Monday. You're now kicking back, watching 30, 40 episodes of Bluey. Whatever else it is that entertains you in Australia. Uh, I could tell you my girls are very happy to have another 20 episodes of Bluey here in the in the house that came over from, I guess, probably your springtime would be my guess. Uh, we get them a little later here. But yes, we're big Bluey fans here. Hope you and the fam had a great, relaxing vacation, Hoglaw. I did, honestly. Uh, it's one of those times where 
you get back from vacation and it's a little hard to get back into the swing of things because it was so relaxing. It was very much a vacation where we didn't have a schedule, uh, where you, you got to not set the alarm clock on your phone and just try to reset, uh, just try to get back into a mindset where you're ready to go for the fall into quarter four and just knock it out for the rest of 2022. So we'll see how long that lasts, maybe at least until Tuesday or Wednesday for me. Uh, but it was a great time, but it was really nice to spend so much time with the family, play so many board games. We can absolutely talk about those. I think we played at least one per day, um, and that was a lot of fun uh, as well. Uh, let's see what else we got here. I always lose track of these things. Please bear with me as I remember how to use all the buttons over here. Uh, glad you had a great vacation. We missed you. Work afternoons aren't the same without hangouts. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah, had a great time. Had a great time. Hello from Liverpool in the UK. Uh, oh, <laughs> yay, board games. Uh, let's see. Uh, what, what do we got? Uh, my wife is talking to Kurt in the chat. Hi, Kurt. Hopefully he slides some breakfast under the door. Don't know what that's in reference to. If you didn't see it, Kurt did a guest spot on Lawyers of Dragons this weekend. He was absolutely fabulous. Thank you so much for participating, Kurt. That was awesome. Uh, good morning from Simi Valley. Lawyers and Dragons was fantastic this weekend. Glad you're back. Hope it was a great vacay. It was. It was awesome. Good morning from Utah. Finally caught the very beginning of the stream thanks to a baby deciding that husband's alarm is also his alarm. Laughing happy emoji. Yeah. Well, good luck with that, but I'm glad I can be here with you in the morning to cover baby time. Absolutely. Uh, listened to Lawyers and Dragons on the last leg of my trip. Made it very acceptable. Kissing face emoji. Thank you so much. Um, Uncivil Law. Kurt says he's being held in Law and Lumber's basement, being guarded by unicorns. Send help. Rolling on the floor laughing emoji. I don't know. If you go into Virginia, you might not come back. I, I'm not positive. Annalie Finch. Hello to my fellow Virginian. Absolutely. A lot of folks hanging out. Virginia, Poland, Quebec, Sutton, Massachusetts, Nova Scotia, Finn in Finland. There you go. Hey. West Virginia, absolutely fun stuff, everybody. How did your week go? How did your weekend go? Did I miss anything? Were there any news items that you wanted to see covered? Because honestly, I did put out a tweet yesterday night that said, so much stuff happened last week that I'm figuring out what I'm going to be doing in the, the Virtual Legality Video On Demand series, the Virtual Legality Hangout series. Um, talking about Elon today. Might be talking about some USA Today reporting tomorrow, I would think, maybe. Really depends on whether or not I want to do the video on demand version of USA Today screwing up on merger rumors for some major video game companies and things like that. So we'll, we'll figure that out. But if you do have anything that you're interested in talking about, you know, let me know. Uh, that would be fantastic. I also wanted to highlight Apple Pie, put in a super chat. Welcome back, Hogue. You were in my local news today. Uh-oh. See, this is when you hear that, you worry, right? I'm a, the police blotter, the, the editorial page about this silly YouTube person. What, what is it? An article referenced you when talking about the Sony lawsuit was a nice start to my day. Video game controller. And like, I don't know, like a like a whistling blowing emoji. Uh, yeah, I, that must be pulling from Eurogamer. Um, a lot of people wound up asking me for quotes last week. I think I only gave one set um, because I was trying to disconnect as much as possible. Uh, and that set was to Eurogamer about the folks bringing a, I believe it's a, UK-based lawsuit against Sony and their PlayStation brand for, for $5 B 
billion dollars or five billion pounds. I, I have to look at it, honestly. Uh, but I, I looked at it enough to give quotes to Eurogamer that was interested. Um, and we might be covering that in virtual legality as well. So if somebody was using that article to jump off of, that's where you would see my quotes uh, right now. But that's awesome. That's it's it's nice to hear that that information, which is hopefully good and, and more and, and better and all the things we strive for here in virtual legality is getting out there to more people. Uh, absolutely. And I just dropped off the entire comments board, which is not the button I wanted to hit. Just wanted to move that off the screen. We're back at the beginning, folks. We're back three months ago with me trying to remember exactly what order to hit the buttons in and hopefully making fewer mistakes than I did back at the beginning. Uh, obviously, the PlayStation price hike is something you should talk about, especially in regards to them complaining about Microsoft when it comes to Activision Blizzard King. Saw you talk about it a bit on the vidcast. Yes, I'm a bit passionate about it, if, if only because I really do like the Sony brand. And to some extent, they're making it a little bit difficult of late. Um, and so, yeah, I might do that. I, I, it's a little bit unclear right now as I kind of get my ducks in order. If you've been on vacation for a week, you already know this. Uh, but coming back to work is uh, a bit like you're hitting a wall with your truck. Uh, is, okay, I know I have these things I have to do. I have these things I have to do. I know I still owe people a question time uh, for August. Uh, and since it's August 29th, we'll be seeing where we're going to fit that in in the next couple of days. There might be a Wednesday stream this week, folks, because that's the last day in August. Um, and figuring all that stuff out as we go along is uh, kind of fun, kind of exhilarating, but also, you know, it's, it's the price you pay for taking a vacation at all. So I got some stuff to work through. Haven't figured out how those virtual legalities are going to look yet, but I will soon. And I want to welcome Caitlin, who became a YouTube member. Welcome, Caitlin. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Hope you have fun with those emojis. Uh, we've got dragons. We've got little Michigans. I think people that are members can can show them off uh, in the chat. Uh, but thank you so much. I really appreciate the support. Cannot do it without folks like you. Thank you again. Uh, let's see here. Morning All says Britt. Hey, Britt. Good morning. M says, watch three episodes of The Sandman thrilling drenched in dark goth aesthetics thanks for the heads up about it i love sandman as it turns out actually netflix did something really cool as i left for vacation basically which was on the friday before i did leave they dropped another episode or two depending on how you want to count it and it might be my favorite of the season so i'm often critical of the way netflix operates its business i'm probably still critical of the way netflix operates its business but in terms of creative output it does get things out like Stranger Things season four and The Sandman, which are probably my favorite shows of the year um, right now. So that's good on them. Hey, you could make it work. I don't know if they can make it work long term. Certainly their stock price is having an issue and their subscriber base is having an issue as well. Uh, but as long as they keep putting out that good stuff, I, I will be interested in it. Um, we'll ask the question, are you going to cover the business casual versus YouTube failed lawsuit with the claims of YouTube colluding with the Russian government, I know nothing about that at all. So I will look into it. I will add it to the list. I don't know if I'm going to cover it because my process is always to, you know, look at the story, see what I can add to it, if anything. Uh, and if I can add some kind of value, some kind of commentary, then go forward with the video from there, uh, either in Hangouts or in, or in the video on demand stuff. But I, I don't know because I know nothing about it. Sandman. Hell yeah, says Joe. I agree. Sandman is fantastic, and their bonus episode is maybe their best. Um, when you put out tons of stuff, sometimes it is good. You know what? I recognize this as a commentary on what I said about Netflix because they put out so much content that sometimes it's good. 
I couldn't help but read it just now as a reference to like four episodes of Hangouts and two, three, four episodes of, of virtual legality proper, the video on demand stuff <clears throat> in the week and Lawyers of Dragons and BitCast and just be like, well, Rick, you know, sometimes you're good because you put out a, you put out a few videos uh, per week. But yes, Netflix can sometimes be good. We here at the Hug Law YouTube channel can also sometimes be good. Uh, so I appreciate it, Britt. It's an excellent comment. Uh, what else do we have here? Uh, thanks for the Sandman recommendation. I definitely enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. I like sharing things that I enjoy. Um, and so I'll keep doing that. Um, let's see. YouTube colluding with Russia. Please link because that sounds like a conspiracy. Yeah, it could be. I know nothing about it. I'll look into this kind of stuff um, as I go along. Uh, Sandman is so well cast. The bonus episode is great. But the kitten drowning. Yeah. Spoiler alert, I guess, kind of. But yeah, it's no fun. It's no fun. Get excited about that, kids. Um, Lawyers and Dragons is a highlight of the week. I really had fun with this one this last week. And we've got we've got some special stuff planned for next week. So put it on your calendar. There is a there's a real um, what, what do the kids say? It's a it's a banger of an episode. Yeah, you'll have to trust me on that. But it's going to be it's going to be crazy next weekend. Uh, loved Sandman currently struggling to get through the second season of The Witcher. I know I'm late. Anyone else not super in love with it? Uh, I think that's like monkey faces over the eyes emojis, like see no evil uh, kind of thing. Uh, I'm not, for what it's worth, I'm not super in love with the second season of The Witcher. Um, I don't really love the adaptation very much, uh, but I didn't, I didn't like the second season. Uh, so there you go. Love Sandman. Don't like Witcher so much on Netflix. That's all right. I love Witcher video games. Still got Witcher. Plenty of Witcher to play. To, to observe. Um, Lords and Dragons is a highlight of my week, too. That's awesome. I really love to hear that. Um, yeah, I, I love it. It's it's kind of an experiment. Uh, we still get comments and things that are like, what are you even doing with, you know, the Dungeons and Dragons game on the channel? Uh, but I, I still think it's fantastic to show um, people engaged in that kind of uh, game playing, that thinking. Um, and and with my friends on, on YouTube, I think it's very fun to watch them do that. Um, and I, if, if it continues to be something that is, is popular and I can see on, on my analytics that it is, uh, we'll, we'll probably do more and with more people and, and continue to grow it out because I just have so much fun with it. Um, right now it's, we're, it's only lawyers. Um, but, uh, someday I think it, uh, it can be even broader and, and engage with more folks, uh, in this community and in the broader community with folks that don't, don't have to be lawyers uh, to play Lawyers and Dragons. So we'll see. I got I got dreams uh, for it, speaking of Sandman. Um, but uh, we, have to, uh, we have to get through at least the one campaign and make sure everything uh, finishes all right and then and talk, talk through those issues from there. Uh, but yeah, I love it. Thank you so much. Uh, I have a weekly alarm set for Lawyers and Dragons. Wow. Sometimes I'm not sure I'm going to have my alarm set for all the for all the shows that I, I wind up doing. But Lawyers and Dragons is a favorite of mine, too. Uh, I missed most of Lawyers and Dragons from laughing too much. I'm rewatching it later. Yeah, we had some fun this week. Um, if this would not be 2022, but the 90s, this would be a daily radio show and Hogue would be the perfect host we all tune in for. Smiley face emoji. Thank you. That is very nice to hear. Yeah. I, you know, I spent a lot of my career commuting and I had a radio host that I would listen to a lot 
uh, going to and from work. I'm very happy that I don't have to do that commute anymore. And in fact, when I make that drive, it's like, wow, I did this for more than a decade, huh? No kidding. Uh, but I'm very happy to be talking with you all. I, th I think this is so much fun and having these conversations is great. Hey, from Manchester, England, black flag. And can't believe I missed Lawyers and Dragons was in a play center with my niece. Hey, well, they are archived. They're still fun after the fact. Go check them out. Uh, but I think play center with your niece sounds like the right call. Honestly, I love Lawyers and Dragons, but I hope you had a great time. I hope there was a ball pit. I miss ball pits. Really don't have ball pit entertainment anymore uh, at my age. Uh, but I hope you had a great time with your niece. Uh, 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 lawyers and Dragons, the most fun you can have with a room full of lawyers. I'm sure there's a joke there that becomes more violent towards my colleagues and myself. Uh, but uh, yes, we have a ton of fun. Absolutely. Um, this is a lot of nice thoughts in lawyers and, about Lawyers and Dragons in the comments. So I really appreciate that. Uh, if you think about it, so long as there's at least two lawyers and two dragons, then its name is fine. No matter who else joins, uh, LOL. Yeah, well, we got the lawyers. Um, we had a dragon born this weekend. Uh, we still haven't had plural dragons uh, in any specific episode. So maybe it's false advertising. I don't know. I'm going to have to give this some serious thought. But I know a number of folks have asked uh, to join or to guest appear on these kinds of things. So I did want to talk about that because right now the very specific kind of first season is, is planned out and we've worked it out for guests and things like that. Um, and it, it is specifically the lawyers that I know. Uh, but I, I think we can broaden that in the future, definitely. Uh, love watching Lawyers and Dragons. Sandman Show got me listening to The Audible. Just moved on to episode two. Excited for the second season. Yeah, I've heard good things about the Audible version of uh, of Sandman. Have not checked that out myself yet. Uh, I loved all the books and stories I've read. I love the game. Show is passable. But it went downhill season two and season one. They had to introduce so many people and concepts. I gave them leeway. That's The Witcher. I'm pretty sure that's a reference to The Witcher. Yeah, I, I agree, Britt. I just, I don't like it very much. Kurt was the highlight of Lawyers and Dragons this week. He sure was. What a fantastic guest spot Kurt had. Absolutely great. Um, Lawyers and Dragons is brilliant. Has gotten me into thinking about finding a local D&D group. Never played, but seriously considering. I will tell you that a lot of them are very welcoming. You can you can drop in. You can look for um, ads. I uh, had some luck with uh, local comic book stores uh, here in Southeast Michigan. Um, and a lot of people uh, have a lot of fun with those. And they're welcoming. They really are. No ball pit. All right, I guess. Uh, I, I wanted that as well, but no, just lots of squishy cubes. Those are fun that were thrown at me. <laughs> Laughing, crying emoji. Well, Jessica, that sounds fantastic. Honestly, uh, I have many fond memories of having various squishy things primarily thrown at me uh, by my kids. Um, so I hope you had fun with that, even though it wasn't ball pit related. LOL sounded like a dragon was actually born this weekend. I'm assuming Dragonborn is a class of character. It is, yes. Uh, happy two-footed dragon people, um, or as I believe people were calling Kurt's character Blackleaf, Puff the Magic Dragon, because he had a very affable quality to him. Um, so check that out on episode three. I had a ton of fun trying to guess what class Blackleaf is. Yeah, I don't think it came up. I went to write the description to the video, and I usually put the class down, and I'm like, what was he? So uh, like an affable stranger uh, that just goes in and casts magic spells. 
Uh, I'm guessing either Druid or there's some psionic stuff happening. But if David is comfortable running psionics, he needs a pay raise. Yeah, I think I think he's a Druid. Uh, but it was very funny when I went to go and actually write the description and realized I had no idea. Um, so it really was very, very magical. Pops in, pops out. You'll have to see why if you haven't seen the episode already. Uh, but uh, we're getting magical. Kurt was a dragon. He was. Absolutely. All right. Let's talk a little bit about Elon Musk. So there's a couple of things happening here, and we're probably not going to go too deep into detail here. We're, we're going to kind of ease back into Hangouts and Headlines. And I say this while I have, I think, I don't know, one, two, three, four, five, six, six tabs ready to go <laughs> if needed, but because that's just the way I work. Uh, but yeah, so we've got these headlines, and this is what came to my attention. This started happening kind of late last week. Um, and this Verge headline uh, says, Judge rejects Elon Musk's absurdly broad data requests. And I will tell you right now, flatly, and we expect this from headlines, we expect this from articles, this is true, but it's also not terribly complete. And this is why headlines is called headlines, uh, because I think it's interesting to watch the completeness of these things, because I know so many folks, and I'm guilty of this myself, I'm sure, go through their timeline on social media, whether it's Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or TikTok or anywhere else. And to some extent, you don't have enough time to read through everything. So you're taking certain uh, kind of concepts and directions about where stories are going solely from these very, very short summary statements that are headlines, uh, right? So if you just see this, one of the things you would probably assume is that in this particular discovery request, if you're not familiar with the trial system, essentially what we're in right now is that Twitter has sued Elon Musk. So Twitter's the plaintiff. Elon Musk is the defendant. And Twitter has sued Elon Musk to try to force him to finish the deal to buy Twitter that he signed up to and has now claimed to terminate because of a breach of their warranties, fraud in the inducement of the contract. Basically, his accusation is that Twitter has lied to him specifically about their count of what are monetizable daily users, daily active users, and whether or not they are counting it wrong and there's too many bots or spam or other automated things that you can't really sell ads to in that number calculation. So Elon Musk is the defendant here because he has said, I'm walking away and Twitter is trying to sue him to force him to stay. And now there's a, there's a lawsuit that is set to go to trial in October. And we're in the discovery phase where... Uh, Twitter is asking Elon Musk's camp for information, and Elon Musk is asking Twitter's camp for information, which means there's these fighting discovery requests, and we haven't read through all of them because, frankly, that's not a fun way to run the channel or to spend our time. But sometimes these discovery requests pop up on the radar of these outlets, and this was one of them. This was a discovery request that Elon Musk had made, so you'll see reference to the defendant's motion for additional information, and that the judge rejects and also accepts. You see in the subheading here what I'm talking about. Tells Twitter to hand over data on 9,000 accounts. In general, in discovery, that's a big deal. This is, this is a big deal. But what we see here, and what we're going to paint a picture of, because I'm also going to look briefly, hopefully, again, at one of Twitter's requests, is we can start to see Elon Musk's legal strategy 
which is, and you might've seen this in contract negotiations, or I might've referenced it in respect of other deals we've talked about here, which is essentially being very, 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 very aggressive and then backing off, right? That you go and you shoot for the moon and then you back off and you do it again and then you back off. Um, and that seems to be the picture that is being painted from this set of documents that we're going to look at. But the way it gets reported because of that aggression is the judge saying, no, that's way too aggressive. So, so this is true, but also basically Elon Musk appears to have a win in this document. And that's, that's irrespective of how you feel about Elon Musk or his claims on this particular score. We're going to look at this because the other way of describing it we see from Engadget which is court grants Elon Musk access to a small but important set of Twitter data. And again, I don't know how one feels about 9,000 accounts being small. These are the accounts that Twitter said were sufficient to audit their company. And so that's one of the reasons the judge granted it. Either way, it's much smaller than what he apparently requested, which was effectively every account on the Twitter platform, at least as described by the judge here. So this is, as you could probably tell, the exact reverse of the Verge headline. And this is what I find so interesting. Judge rejects absurdly broad requests, but tells them, tells uh, Twitter to hand over 9,000 accounts from the Verge. And Gadget, hey, you're going to get important data, but rejected Musk's request to an absurdly broad amount of information in Twitter's lawsuit against him. And I just find that fascinating in terms of controlling the contours of the discussion, because we're going to look at this letter. We love to look at primary source materials here, definitely. Um, and we're going to see that both are right, both are accurate, but you can be the judge for yourself as to who's winning on this kind of score. So let's go through the document. Here's a letter from the judge. This is pre-trial stuff. This is about discovery. It says it resolves issues raised in the August 15th, 2022 letter from defendants Elon Musk and his companies, which this decision refers to as defendants' second discovery motion. As I said, we didn't talk about the first discovery motion. I don't know what was in it. We are only talking about things like this because there's so much paper flying around when it does pop up onto the radar of these various outlets. So there's contouring of the message on that score as well. If there was something big that nobody reported on, we would miss it, uh, but we just can't. Even me covering this story as I have cover every little bit of paperwork that goes in, into one of these trials. That's what the lawyers are getting paid for on a daily basis, uh, but I'm not. Uh, and so we can't cover everything in this particular uh, trial. So. Elon Musk's second discovery motion. What is he asking for? As the judge describes it, the motion seeks to compel Twitter to provide various documents, including information to verify plaintiff's SEC disclosures regarding its estimates that less than 5% of MDAU are false or spam accounts. Now, interesting things here just in language from the judge that we can start to pick up on. And this shouldn't change the judge's actual determinations at the trial level, but you can start to get a feel. One, uh, she uses the concept of it being an estimate rather than a representation. This is a bit of a fight that Twitter and Elon Musk are having. If you follow the other documents we've covered in this space, Twitter says, well, we put all this disclaimer language in our SEC filings. It says, we don't actually know. It could be more than this. To which Elon Musk basically responds, it still has to mean something. And as we talked about in the coverage of these documents that I did on this channel, we can imagine that if 5% were actually 50%, you'd have an issue, right? Even if you've got disclaimer language in your Twitter and you say, well, it could be more than this, that is, to my mind, implying in your disclosures in your SEC documents that, yes, it could be 5.5, yes, it could be 6, maybe even 7.5, maybe even 10, 
maybe, but you're trying to put a stake in the ground that people, investors can rely upon that it's something close to 5%. And if it turns out to be enormously higher than that, I think Elon Musk has a point, regardless of the disclaimer language. You can't just go into an SEC disclosure document and try to disclaim all the numbers that you used because that's not really fair to the investors. Uh, that said, there's a fight about whether it's just an estimate, whether it's an actual representation. Uh, and you do see the re reference to estimates here, uh, which I think is fair, but we do note those kinds of things. To deliver a prompt ruling, says the judge, I will forego recapping each of the arguments raised by defendants. I assume that readers of this letter are familiar with the party's dispute. My overall impression is that plaintiff has agreed to produce a tremendous amount of information to defendants and that the information plaintiff has agreed to produce is sufficiently broad to satisfy most of plaintiff's obligations. So again, reading between the lines from the judge here, if we're just trying to score who's behaving better before the court right now in discovery at home, it certainly sounds so far like the judge is happy with what Twitter has been doing, right? That these disputes are relatively normal and that Twitter has agreed to produce a tremendous amount of information, um, is already doing that. Um, and so this letter takes the task of saying, we're ordering the production of only three additional categories of information. Now, remember, we've got this notion up here that the judge rejects Elon Musk's absurdly broad data request. We're going to see that reference in these next couple of paragraphs. But the overall thrust, if you're just reading this, and again, we look at these things in order, is that I'm actually, as the judge, ordering Twitter to produce more documents. Like that's what the purpose of this motion is, even though the way Elon Musk's team described their initial request is going to be rejected and pretty strongly. So if we're scoring again, who the judge thinks is behaving better at home, I don't think there's any question that Twitter is the one that the judge feels is behaving better on this, but also that Twitter owes Elon Musk some additional information. First, as the primary target of their second discovery motion, defendants seek large troves of plaintiff's data. You don't really want to hear the judge start describing your request as seeking large troves. In their second discovery motion, defendants argued that this data was necessary to test the 5% disclosure, which is apparently a defined term currently rolling through the documents. In their reply, in further support of the second discovery motion, defendants argued that such documents were also relevant to their counterclaim for fraud i.e. the theory that plaintiff misleadingly touted MDAU without disclosing companion engagement data to present a complete picture. So what data Elon Musk is seeking is directly on the 5% disclosure question and also wants to backstop the notion that Twitter committed fraud by not including other important information with the MDAU. Defendants' data requests are absurdly broad, right? Top of the sentence, top of the paragraph. Uh, and that's what gets reported. If you're a judge in a public-facing trial like this, chances are you know this kind of sentiment will be reported in this way. Uh, and of course it does. It makes it into all the headlines on this topic. Read literally, defendant's document requests would require plaintiffs to produce trillions upon trillions of data points reflecting all of the data Twitter might possibly store for each of the approximately 200 million accounts included in its MDAU count every day for nearly three years. Plaintiff has difficulty quantifying the burden of responding to that request because no one in their right mind has ever tried to undertake such an effort. It suffices to say plaintiff has demonstrated that such a request is overly burdensome. And we've talked about discovery, but in general, it has to be relevant to the case at hand, and it has to not be duplicative, overly burdensome, 
have the other party experience more than is necessary to actually proceed with the case in question. So this paragraph is terrible for Elon Musk. This is what primarily gets reported on. But again, I think one of the things we will see uh, in the other document we're going to look at especially is that Elon Musk's approach seems to be very, very aggressive, both in the requests that it's making and in the denials of the discovery requests that Twitter is making. Um, and you don't have to like that. I tend to prefer a middle road approach on this, but I'm not a litigator. Um, but you can see that that's the strategy that Elon Musk's team has chosen. But again, if you see a judge say, your requests are absurdly broad and no one in their right mind would ever undertake an effort to respond to them, uh, that's not winning in, in the mind of, of the jurist here. So that's not, that's not great, I don't think. That said, some additional data from plaintiff seems warranted. Plaintiff is ordered to produce a subset of what defendants have requested. The 9,000 accounts reviewed in connection with plaintiff's quarter four 2021 audit, which the parties refer to as the historical snapshot. I recognize, says the judge, that producing the historical snapshot is no small feat. Plaintiff represented that with considerable effort, those documents could be produced in under two weeks. The deadline for all of this is basically now-ish. And plaintiffs shall strive to meet that timeline. In addition, plaintiff must produce documents sufficient to show how those 9,000 accounts were selected for review. Now, this is important because it's one of the areas that really does seem to be a vacuum that Elon Musk in his documents has said, look, 9,000 is a small number. Uh, this goes along with the 100 uh, accounts per day kind of concept. Um, and it might be sufficient statistically. Twitter has a fight with him calling him a statistical idiot, basically, in their response documents. Uh, but it matters how those accounts are selected. It, it has to be blind. It has to be random uh, in order to get that statistical significance. And so this, over the 9,000 accounts themselves, this, producing documents sufficient to show how they were selected for review, might be even more important Right, because if there is a hole in the way that they're selecting them statistically, then you might have bigger and bigger issues with whether or not their number is at all accurate or valid. Now, does that mean that they knew there was a problem and they're committing fraud, which requires an intent concept? Well, we'll cross those bridges when we come to it. But importantly, the judge does say, look, I know this might take a lot of effort, but this seems legitimate. Even though he requested the moon, part of the moon is worthwhile for him to get. And that just appears to be his overall kind of strategy with this stuff. The historical snapshot data I have ordered produced is highly sensitive. To their credit, defendants have agreed to treat this data as highly confidential, and the parties will select who can see this kind of stuff. Second, as to defendants' MDAU fraud theory, plaintiff has agreed to produce 10 broad categories of documents addressing MDAU, including documents reflecting plaintiff's reliance on MDAU relative to other metrics. Plaintiff is ordered to produce a small additional set of data from its review database, documents reflecting discussion of any other key metric identified by defendants, regardless of whether those documents expressly address MDAU. So it sounds to me like what Elon Musk asked for was, were there any conversations within Twitter about other statistical data points that could be either as useful, more useful, however, to MDAU in determining whether Twitter is succeeding and what it's seeking to achieve? It sounds like Twitter tried to defend itself by saying, well, we're only going to respond to things related to MDAU. Specifically, that's what this case is about. And the judge here says, no, you owe him all conversations that are had on any metrics 
because that's how we're going to determine what how MDAU was selected and whether it was sufficient for what Twitter was otherwise going out there to the public with. So Twitter's now ordered to give all those conversations as well. And finally, they're ordered to produce basically all board and management level documents from the start of this year to the present based on the specific requests that Elon Musk has made. So the overall thrust of this is three more sets of data that Twitter has to provide, not all data for all accounts for every day for three years, which, yep, as described by this judge, sounds to be too much, but getting probably what Elon Musk wanted most specifically, which is how did Twitter's audit work and how were these accounts uh, selected? That's not going to let him do his own analysis on this data, uh, which is what he has purported to want this whole time. Uh, But it is going to allow them to evaluate how Twitter's process worked uh, and see if there are any holes uh, in that. So that's what's interesting about the reporting here. Um, from The Verge, from Engadget, from the various ways that you can describe what just happened, which is, I would argue, um, closer to the Engadget side of things, right? Small, maybe small, 9,000 still seems like a lot, small but important set of Twitter data going to Elon Musk and with some castigation to go along with it. That paragraph is certainly very negative, uh, but it is, again, kind of about the bigness of what Elon Musk and his team had requested. Similarly, we can see with respect to Twitter's wins, as described by law and crime here, Twitter wins big in court battle over discovery motions. As judge says, Elon Musk's logic is faulty, which again is true, but maybe also incomplete. Uh, And we'll look at this document right now. We can see that Elon Musk appears to be taking these kinds of grand uh, strokes uh, to defend and to request. And this judge, as judges do, is backing them off a little bit. So here we have another letter. This letter decision resolves Twitter Inc.'s request for relief in connection with the responses and objections to document requests and interrogatories, which this decision refers to as Twitter's first discovery motion. So Twitter is trying to say, whoa, 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 we need to talk about this and the requests that Elon Musk has made. And we also need to make some requests of our own. There's, I think, five categories in this particular letter, and I will try to keep this brief. Through its first discovery motion, Twitter seeks five forms of relief. First, Twitter asks the court to deem defendants' objections waived due to defendants' obfuscatory discovery conduct. So Twitter asks for information. Elon Musk says no. And now Twitter's broadest request is tell him to walk off a short pier because he has been so obfuscatory. He has obfuscated all the information that we need, all the documents. He's slow rolling all this stuff. Uh, tell him, penalize him because of his behavior on this. Second, Twitter seeks to compel defendants to identify all sources of relevant information. Third, Twitter moves to compel defendants to provide discovery related to Musk's potential co-investors. Fourth, Twitter moves to compel defendants to produce their communications with any governmental authorities. And last, Twitter asks the court to order defendants to produce documents on a rolling basis. Um, So this last one, in terms of procedure, these parties both have, I want to say it's a deadline today. We'll look at it when we get down to the, the end of the document to produce in substantial compliance responses to everything that was requested by the other party. Uh, Twitter has said they've been doing that better than Elon Musk, and they want Elon Musk to have to do deliveries per day or on some rolling basis rather than just try to hit the end date. Um, but that's not how the schedule works. So we'll see how the judge denies and accepts various aspects of this. 
which is described, again, by law and crime as Twitter wins big. Uh, so let's see what Twitter got. As its first and most general request, Twitter urges the court to hold that defendants waived their objections to multiple discovery requests by engaging in obfuscatory discovery tactics. This request is denied. And it's denied for much the same reason that the other uh, document had Twitter um, winning, kind of, which is that discovery is supposed to be broad and big, right? Pre-trial discovery rules are to be afforded broad and liberal treatment. Discovery is called that for a reason. It is not called hide the ball. These are quotes from other cases. If a party objects to providing discovery, the burden is on the objecting party to show why and in what way the information requested is privileged or otherwise improperly requested, right? If we go back to that other letter, you remember one of the things that the judge said was that, well, Twitter has certainly made its case that this would be overly burdensome, right? And that is what they're looking at when they're making these kinds of decisions. Suffice to say, plaintiff has demonstrated that such a request is overly burdensome. Discovery is supposed to be broad, but you can say it's not relevant. It is overly burdensome. It is duplicative of other information we have provided before, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Invoking these principles here, Twitter argues that defendants' efforts to respond to discovery fell woefully short. This letter does not recount each deficiency identified in Twitter's motion. It suffices to say that defendants' discovery conduct has been suboptimal. I, I love understatement, right? So Twitter comes out with a letter here that says, here are the many ways that Elon Musk has failed to deliver the information that we have requested. The judge says, I've looked at that letter. I'm not going to go over it all here. It's already a 10-page document. But suffice to say, this judge is finding that Elon Musk's team is, is responding in a suboptimal manner. For example, defendants refused to produce documents in response to eight of Twitter's document requests on the grounds that the materials sought are not relevant to the party's claims or defenses. Generally, says the judge, defendants cannot refuse to respond to a discovery request because they have unilaterally deemed the request irrelevant. It's really not your purview, party. It's really kind of what I do here in the judge's seat. We can appreciate that you think it's not relevant, but... That's that's not up to you. It would be it would be a shame if it were up to the parties making these decisions. Uh, and so you can't do that. Now, here's where I think we really get a good flavor for what Elon Musk's team is doing. Tacitly conceding the overly aggressive nature of their original responses, defendants appear to have walked back most of their initial objections. At this stage, the court is willing to credit defendants for arriving at more reasonable fallback positions and not issue the generalized punishment Twitter seeks for defendants' unreasonable opening stances. Twitter may renew its generalized request in the event defendants' behavior persists. So we have a denial here, but what the denial is actually about is that Elon Musk's team said, no, we're not giving you anything on anything. It's all irrelevant. We're not answering your discovery requests. For some period of time, Twitter says, judge, come on. They're not giving us any information. Sometime in between those two things, Elon Musk's team says, well, all right, we guess we'll give you some information. And the judge here says, well, they've tacitly conceded that their overall stances to begin with were ridiculous. Uh, and now they're starting to give things. So I'm going to deny the request right now. But Twitter, you can bring it back up with me if they try to do it again. And so you do see this pattern of, we're going to hit you with a ton of paperwork. We're going to ask for 200 million uh, pieces of data. We're going to back off that. Uh, and the judge is going to give us the 9,000. That is probably what we want the most. Uh, we're going to say you don't get any discovery whatsoever. And we're going to back off that so that we, we, we play this game 
with the court. And I'm not going to tell you that that's unusual uh, in litigation. You have this kind of fighting all the time. Uh, but you can see that Twitter is trying to take the white knight position. Hey, we're being reasonable. We're being responsible. Elon Musk is not. And at least in the pre-trial kind of portion of all of this saying, look, judge, he's clearly the bad actor on this. And hopefully bringing that from Twitter's perspective into the court case itself. As its second request for relief, Twitter seeks to compel defendants to identify relevant sources of information or sources of relevant information. This request is granted. Uh, and the trick here is that what Twitter asked for was a list of people uh, and not more than that. Uh, so they asked for defendants, Elon Musk, to identify persons with knowledge of or involvement in key issues and events. Pretty normal request. We don't know what we should even be asking for. We don't know who we should be deposing. We don't know what we should be doing unless you present us a list of people that know things. And apparently Elon Musk fought against that. Defendants objected to these interrogatories as overbroad and as seeking information not relevant to the party's claims and defenses, self-limited their response to persons with unique knowledge, as determined by them, and listed 41 persons or entities they considered to possess such unique knowledge in response. By the unique knowledge qualifier, defendants appear to intend to exclude, at a minimum, friends and acquaintances with whom Mr. Musk may have had passing exchanges regarding Twitter or the merger in general terms from their list. Twitter suggests that defendants' unique knowledge qualifier is also intended to exclude from discovery the identity of advisors uh, of certain listed individuals and entities and representatives of Musk who participated in diligence sessions, other advisors or consultants, and other individuals and entities with whom Mr. Musk communicated about the deal. Defendants argue that any further information would not be remotely proportionate to the needs of the case, particularly since defendants did not object to producing texts and presumably other communications with friends and acquaintances that are responsive to Twitter's discovery requests. So what is being fought over here, right? They asked for a list of people that know things. Defendant says, look, I talk a lot. I talk a lot about things. A lot of people know me. When this is all going down, people are saying, so what's up with Twitter, right? When I pass them in the elevator and I don't want to have to try to list everybody that has this particular concern. I don't think it's an entirely illegitimate defense from Elon Musk, but at the level where you're writing people's names down, the judge finds it to be wanting, right? Even assuming that Musk has many friends and family members, defendants' breadth, burden, and proportionality arguments ring hollow. It is difficult to conclude, for example, that requiring defendants to respond to an ordinary course interrogatory listing persons with knowledge, even if these persons have duplicative knowledge, is disproportionate to the needs of the case, particularly a case, by the way, that concerns a $44 billion merger. Most discoveries should be allowed. There's a lot of money on the line. Um, and so writing the list up is not a problem. It says persons that have duplicative knowledge, hey, if they try to ask for depositions of 30 people that talk to you once in an elevator, come back to me, Elon. Um, but for right now, writing the names down in a list is not that big of a deal. So get on it. Defendants shall supplement their interrogatory responses to identify all persons with knowledge of or involvement in key issues, regardless of whether it's unique or duplicative. Just write the list. As its third request for relief, Twitter seeks to compel defendants to respond to discovery requests related to Musk's co-investors. This request is granted. Defendants' primary defense here was to limit it to folks that either committed to investing or to folks that at least signed an NDA. Defendants argue that the parties who executed NDAs would be the only parties having significant discussions with Elon Musk regarding that investment. Effectively, Judge, hey, I make everybody sign NDAs before I talk to them about joining me in a syndicate to buy Twitter. And the judge says, no. As Twitter observes, defendants' logic is faulty. 
given that Musk himself committed to a $44 billion transaction without first executing an NDA. And defendants' burden arguments seem implausible given that defendants have agreed to search the files of only two custodians. They only want information from two people. Even if defendants were to search every document of these two custodians from January 1st to the present, it seems unlikely that their burden would exceed that associated with Twitter's 42 custodians that I've already allowed, Elon. Uh, and so this is interesting. You see some of the aspects of this case that we've talked about at length come to the fore here. Elon Musk's somewhat impetuousness uh, in getting in bed with Twitter to begin with uh, comes back here because they say, look, you want to say that you don't have any real investment or any real conversations before an NDA, and yet you had one with Twitter before you invested. Now, I think that's a little bit logically faulty, as long as we're talking about faulty logic, uh, because what Twitter's policies might be on conversing with an outside investor and how it's otherwise uh, involved with those potential people might be different from how Elon Musk conducts his house internally. But it's still a bad look, and you're probably going to lose this every time when a judge sees that and Twitter presents that uh, as their argument. Further. When you do know that Twitter has been ordered to provide information and deposition access and things like that to 42 people within its organization, if Twitter's only asking for two, it's also going to look bad. So again, you see them throwing the shield wall up on the Elon Musk side and then getting rung up pretty good by the judge here. As for its fourth request for relief, Twitter seeks to compel defendants to produce their communications, if any, regarding the merger, the merger agreement, the proxy statement on Twitter concerning government investigations this request is denied as premature. Now, interestingly, you still get kind of a silly defense that Elon Musk tries to bring up here, which is that they don't want to produce such documentation on the basis that investigations by the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC, are non-public and confidential. This is generally called the investigative privilege. You might be familiar with this specific privilege if you're otherwise following the news or politics of the day. Uh, but suffice it to say that if you are a federal or other agency that is conducting an active investigation, there is privilege there and there are ways that they try to protect that information to protect the overall thrust of their investigation, however that might look. But it's not really Elon Musk's to hold in general. They describe the investigative privilege here a little bit and then they say, given its doctrinal purpose, it would seem unusual the documents in the possession of a private party could be subject to that privilege or that a private litigant would have standing to assert it. But the actual response that Elon Musk made was, we don't yet know whether those agencies would want it privileged. If defendants assert the investigative privilege to withhold any documents at some point in an actual answer that says that's what we're doing, then Twitter may renew this request. Right now, it's kind of a limbo period, and Twitter asks a little early. As for its last request for relief, Twitter asked the court to order defendants to produce documents promptly on a rolling basis, this request is denied. Twitter had produced just over 3,000 documents by the time they filed this motion. Defendants had produced only 619. Based on the comparison, Twitter argues that defendants are intentionally slow rolling their production. Defendants have responded that they are willing, working diligently to review and produce responsive documents from their two custodians, will continue to do so, and will meet the August 29th deadline for substantial completion. So what the judge is saying here is, we said August 29th. That's today, folks, uh, uh, for our deadline. And that's the deadline. I didn't set any other measures for these kinds of things. So you're essentially early. They say they're going to get it all done by the 29th. I have to take them on their word. Come back to me if there's a problem from that point in time. But I'm not going to order them to operate differently because you've produced many more documents uh, than they have. 
But you can also suspect that the judge, having answered these various things in these various ways in these two documents, is looking at it and saying, yeah, clearly we've got an aggressive litigant, both in requests and defenses. And it probably wouldn't surprise her if they didn't show up with all the documents they're supposed to show up with today and ask for an extension. Wouldn't surprise me, uh, certainly. And then they summarize the specific decisions made here. And those are the two sets of documents. And so I think, I don't know if Twitter wins big. Uh, they, they got a list of investors. Uh, they got a list of people that Elon Musk has talked to. They're still working with two custodians at the entities. Uh, they didn't get a rolling basis. They didn't get a, a punishment type of uh, motion order from the, from the court. Um, and so I, I don't know if this is wins big. Uh, and and this is, you know, judge rejects. I don't know if that's exactly telling the proper picture of what's happening here. I think the biggest story of this is that you can clearly see that Musk's team is taking these very aggressive, very kind of uh, right to the edge uh, positions on all this discovery stuff when Twitter is trying to go the other way. Uh, and that to me is the most interesting aspect of the discovery process as it stands. But on top of all that, you're sitting in a situation where you're also looking at this story, which I do think we're going to cover eventually, which is that, of course, there's been a whistleblower at Twitter that talks about lies, that talks about bots, that talks about safety and security at Twitter, and now is kind of guiding, I think, a little bit of what Elon Musk's team is likely to use as a further avenue for potentially advocating for terminating the deal. So that's Elon Musk versus Twitter as it stands right now. I'm not going to get into the substance of this. I think we'll probably cover it another time. But what do you think about Discovery? What do you think about the reporting on Discovery and how this has all been going so far? Because I think that's the most fun here. Um, and I do want to thank Shireen, who I can't highlight for gifting a Hoglaw membership. I really appreciate it, Shireen. Thank you so much. Uh, I would put you on screen if I could. But what do you all think? Right When I do those kinds of uh, deep dives into articles and documents, I can't follow the chat while I do it. So let me know now after we've gotten done uh, what you're thinking about this process, how it was reported on for both the gadget and the verge and law and crime, um, and uh, exactly exactly what it means to Elon Musk versus Twitter as it stands today. We've got Handmade Darcy here saying, premature meaning it's a nice sword. I'll just hang it up here over your head in case we need it. Smiling, laughing, crying emoji. Yeah, that's right. It's premature. And it's also a warning shot, right? If you look at that document, it's like, you're not really going to try to use the SEC's investigative privilege to prevent your delivery of documents here, right? Like you wouldn't do that. That would be silly, right? Right? Right. Uh, um, what is a BitCast, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, it's a BitCast is, is in all of our hearts. It's a little bit like the Care Bears stare. Uh, no, it's a podcast that I do on Season Gaming uh, once a week on Sundays at 11 a.m. Actually went to three hours basically yesterday. Um, and we talk about very specifically video game facing stuff more than business or, or law. So it's a little bit more like some of the podcasts you might be used to, whether it's on you know movies or TV or video games or whatever you might listen to. Um, but it's a lot of fun. And in general, um, we're a little bit older uh, folks. We've, we've got somebody that specializes in coding and data analysts. We've got a reviewer from IGN. We've got me. Um, and we have conversations that hopefully are a little bit more uh, detailed uh, than some of the other places that you might see on the internet. I love it. Um, so do check it out if you're at all interested. Uh, Janice Dark says, media putting a fair and balanced view doesn't sell or get clicks like a bias to one side piece does. That might be. 
right? And Hangouts and Headlines might, over the course of however long its history lasts, might just be concluding that all of these things are slanted because you got to get people to click on it. And frankly, huge win, big win, giant defeat, rejects, all these kinds of things are more useful than actually getting an accurate understanding in terms of bringing people into the article. But I will continue to espouse for the value in going in and actually explaining what's happening because that's actually what I want out of the articles that I'm reading and the information that I'm getting is an understanding of what's actually occurring rather than the most slanted version of whatever you're getting, regardless of whether you're on Elon Musk's side or Twitter's side. I don't think it's political or, or anything like that in these headlines. They just took the most negative or most extreme way of writing about these documents uh, and, and put them in their headlines. So I think you might well be right, but I would definitely prefer to see more accurate uh, description of what's happening uh, in these various stories. RJH says, it seems like typical and expected court decisions. The only thing that makes it unusual is the way that Elon Musk behaves. He deserves a little bit of the grief that he's getting, but, but only a bit. I think that, yes, I, I think it's worth reporting when the judge has a paragraph like the one that she had about the absurd request and no one in their right mind. Like, that's an irritated judge. Like, this is a written document. This isn't like an off-the-cuff uh, verbal explosion. That that was written. That was considered again. And that went out to the, to the parties and to the public. Um, and so I think it's worth noting when the judge is irritated like that. But it's also not probably accurate to describe it as like this big loss for Elon Musk. I think if you are willing to take those aggressive stances uh, and kind of go out there with that craziness, then you understand what you are doing. You think you might be able to sneak through some stuff that way and you're OK with the wins that you're otherwise getting. So I don't think he's crying uh, into uh, into his uh, bed sheets at night on this stuff. Uh, but it is uh, nevertheless still newsworthy, just probably with a little bit of uh, extra judgment placed upon it. Uh, Karate Cat Mom found you through Ron and Ian, probably Rob. I bet it, I'm betting it's Rob. I don't know that I, well, maybe it could be Ron. Uh, and oh my God, Lawyers and Dragons, heart emoji, learning this Mew stuff. I'm a new fan. Fantastic. Thank you, Karate Cat Mom. I really appreciate it. Thank you for the super chat. Um, I spoke to my Twitter insider, says that Sarah. Sister was a long time EA in the C-suite for her take on this whole mess weekend before last. And she said it's been an emotional roller coaster and cluster F. Well, I have no doubt, right? If you put any amount of time into this company at all, um, and then this year has been Elon Musk secretly takes position. Elon Musk secretly agrees to board seat. Elon Musk uh, reneges on taking court seat. Elon Musk uh, sends a text message saying, I'm buying your company. Uh, board takes a poison pill approach to that, says, no, we're putting up our defenses. Board reconsiders and says, yeah, we'll take that money. That seems good. Elon Musk then starts at some point in May to say, hey, is all this stuff legitimate? Or depending on which side of the story you believe, looks at the stock market crashing and says, well, I can't afford this. This is a ridiculous price to pay for Twitter and starts to try to backpedal. And you don't know who's going to run your company. You don't know who's going to operate it. You don't know what policies they're going to have. There are hiring freezes happening. There are layoffs happening. I feel for anybody that's deeply invested either emotionally through their sweat equity or through their financial equity in Twitter, because it's very difficult to see exactly what's going to happen in the future for this company. There's a possibility the Delaware Court of Chancery could mandate that a effectively hostile person to your corporate enterprise is going to have to spend $40 billion plus 
to buy your company. And at that point, he might do it and take your company. He might refuse the court's order. I mean, there are a thousand ways that this can go uh, from here. And so you're not going to have any clarity of purpose or any clarity of the future of your existence at Twitter uh, for some time. So I get that. Uh, and I feel for everybody involved, right? It's when, when, when Godzilla and King Kong fight, uh, it's the civilians that get trampled. And that is, in fact, the case here as well. Uh, so definitely keep on with your insider. Uh, but uh, I do feel for anybody that's involved at that level. Uh, most definitely. Uh, sibling Creature says, sooner or later, you need to make your headlines representative of the truth, uh, or people will start to lose trust and have been losing trust. I agree. If you had asked me, again, optimist me, if this could persist with these kinds of headlines for so long on all of these stories, whether it's Depp v. Heard or Musk v. Twitter or uh, Epic v. Apple, I would have told you no. Because at some point, people are going to look at that and say, you know what? That wasn't an accurate description of what was happening. Uh, right. When you got all those headlines, it says this is a surefire win for Epic over Apple. And I'm sitting here alone in virtual legality going, this is a terrible argument under antitrust president and law. And I'm telling folks, look, here's here's how I think this is going to go. And and lo, it did. And this isn't tooting my own horn. Well, I'll toot my own horn a little bit. Um, but just to say, I think that you would expect people to remember, hey, those guys told me absolute crap about this. Like they told me it's a surefire win, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And no, didn't seem to matter. Uh, and so I will continue to, to espouse better and more information out there. But to some extent, the market is going to control this. Uh, so, you know, tell your friends, like and subscribe. Uh, but as for whether or not these companies are going to stop doing that, they're not until it's going to hit their bottom line. Uh, what else do we got here? Britt with a super chat. Good morning, Britt. I think they are do just doing exactly what we expect $2 billion parties to do. When you can avail yourself of all the law, it is slow and expensive. Coverage is just what is going to get clicks. Yeah, that's 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 true. Um, I think it's interesting that the policies and procedures seem to be different, that Twitter is trying to say, hey, court, we're doing everything that's asked of us. Uh, we're doing everything for Elon Musk because it fits so well within what their arguments are in their lawsuit, right? Their lawsuit is premised around the fact that Elon Musk keeps asking for new and different information. And Twitter says, we keep trying to give it to him. We keep trying to go and get that information to him. And he just keeps changing it. Um, and this starts to look in the discovery process like that's exactly what is happening. Uh, and what could be better, more useful evidence of what you are claiming to have happened before the court got involved than showing it to the court as it happened? So I think Twitter is very smart in its strategy. I don't know whether Elon Musk is smart in his strategy. I suspect that this is a more boilerplate, one size fits all. Elon Musk likes to be aggressive in negotiations and likes to be aggressive in litigation. Uh, and so that's what's appearing here. But each side is playing to their archetypes. And I don't know whether that isn't a significant advantage for Twitter going into the trial. Um, so, yeah, I don't think that it's unusual what these parties are doing. I don't think it's unusual what the Virgin and Gadget and everybody else is doing. But I will continue to call it out because I think we can do it better. Um, so thank you so much for the super chat. I really appreciate it. Uh, I always appreciate the support. I can't do it without folks like you and everybody that's here in chat talking with me this morning. RJH, yeah, for real, I think that nobody in their right mind is explosive enough to get clicks. No need to make it more dramatic by saying he got destroyed or any of the words that they like that they like to use. Yeah, well, we've talked about that. They, they love the owned and destroyed. I don't think I saw any of that language in these particular articles, but yeah, that's always going a little bit too far. Uh, Handmade Darcy says, those of us who want accuracy are looking to YouTube for subject expert commentary like yours. Sweet smiling emoji. And I really appreciate it. Um, I, I am very thankful for that position. I, it's interesting because I think 
to me, I find that to be a, an almost oppressive way to be like, okay, I want to make sure that I get all sides of this thing and I'm as accurate as possible. Uh, and that's what I do here. And I, I guess I kind of wish that more people thought about things that way, especially in kind of the, the written uh, article side of things. But hell, that's why headlines exist, because we talk about the way people report on things uh, in certainly interesting fashions. Uh, Xfillers06 says, I find the clickbait headlines frustrating on something like this, mostly because it causes confusion later when the clear track to win clear good party doesn't play out as intimated. Right. That, I think, is one of the biggest deals, right? When you saw this in court cases of some significance and political sensitivity, and you saw the reporting going out talking about essentially the biases that their audience already had and how whatever was happening in those court cases was following along with what their consumer base expected to have happen, then when the jury verdict comes back unanimous against, it starts to look like the system is broken or there's corruption there. When if you actually followed the story, we'll just take Johnny Depp versus Amber Heard as an example. I 100% understand how those seven Virginians came to that conclusion when if you were only reading The Guardian or you were only reading whatever your other favorite periodical was that was telling you very specific, very selected things about that case, you would say, well, obviously they're all biased or the court system is corrupt or anything else. And that's not healthy because that's not an accurate description of what actually happened even if you disagree with it. And so you get into these conversations that you shouldn't have to have. And we see it from the reverberations, right? I had to put a, a limit on the amount of times I covered stories about Johnny Depp versus Amber Heard because they just kept coming. And that shouldn't be the case for what is a unanimous jury verdict as we await appeals. And yet they did. Some of that is appetite. Some of that is appetite from people that want to click on those headlines, want to have those conversations. And I don't really blame people for trying to meet those needs at, at the journalistic side. Uh, but some of it is because it was so badly reported as it happened that the verdict itself came as a surprise to a lot of their users. Um, let's see here. Julia543 says, I gave up reading all the news nonsense. I will check for breaking news occasionally and the weather, always useful, but otherwise, nope, too much bias BS. I wish it weren't the case. Uh, and I will continue to read like all sorts of things because I think you can kind of triangulate what's real, but it's a little bit illusory from looking at the extreme positions that are often afforded to us. But I don't blame you. And I think that's a shame in and of itself. Uh, I'm going to get this wrong. Jaze, uh, I, I believe this case highlights how vital it is not to forfeit due diligence in any contract. You're just baiting me now. Uh, so he didn't forfeit due diligence. He didn't have a due diligence process before he signed the merger agreement. It does have reps and warranties. It does have covenants for information. <clears throat> Twitter saying he forfeited all due diligence is obviously wrong. Not even the, not even Twitter is really backing that up, um, nor would the judge in, in long term. Uh, but we're still going to have to fight about these reps and warranties. We're still going to have to fight about the SEC disclosures. We're still going to have to fight about whether the information covenant was met. Um, and I do think um, you'd have a stronger position if you went through a pre-signing diligence period. Uh, but I also understand, and I've worked with businesses and businessmen and businesswomen that say, look, let's do only the briefest to make sure that it's not a tire fire. And then let's sign the document. Um, and since Elon Musk had as much conversation with Twitter as he had had, remember he was up for a board seat. It wouldn't surprise me if he felt like he had enough information to just sign up or he was acting impetuously and he's crazy and he's trying to back out now, as Twitter says. It could go either way. 
Carrie says the clickbait headlines are no different than an old school. I don't, I don't know that word. Standing on the street corner screaming, read all about it. Read all so like a like a paper boy. Uh yeah, okay, absolutely. I really don't know that word. I'm gonna look that one up afterwards. Um <clears throat> uh, but yeah, I think these are all great comments, folks. And I, I agree with the clickbait nature. I'm I don't really I don't deny that that's what's happening, but I'll continue to talk against it uh, here in this space, at least. Uh, Shireen, as a lawyer, I would put in quite a few Tesla SpaceX puns in the writing of these court documents as I could. <laughs> what is, man, when this starts, what did I call it? I, I It was something like, it was something SpaceX related was the first video in this series on Elon Musk versus Twitter uh, that I that I said. Something about free speech and, and and SpaceX, I think. I can't even remember my own puns, folks. Um, Sardinism says, yes, he could have had that done first, but he chose not to. There's still covenants and information rights. Yep, we talked about that. Absolutely. Um, yes, he would be in a stronger position if he did the diligence first. He did not. That does not forfeit his, his rights to the truthfulness, the representations that Twitter put into their document. Um, and I think we're about done. Uh, for this morning, just looking at how things are. If I missed anybody, you can you can pop in right now for if you had a, a big question. I always uh, love to see those. Otherwise, in terms of scheduling, uh, we're back on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. Uh, right now, I've tried to get up the placeholders for these videos up a little earlier. Uh, you saw me put this up uh, yesterday. The ones that are always the 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 trickiest are the Mondays and the Thursdays because I'm not otherwise in the space on the Sundays and the Wednesdays. Um, so just remembering to put them up and, and kind of thinking through what that process is going to be, but so that you can have a place to, uh, to congregate and, and be ready for these episodes. I will try to get those up earlier. Otherwise look out for virtual legalities as I also get up to speed on the law firm side of things. I have some documents to review. I have some clients to talk to. Um, I, they will be up and running in various aspects of the channel. And we've got some, as we always have some stuff going on in the back burner. We still owe you a store. Uh, we know that and for whatever reason, that process has taken longer than we would have hoped but we'll be following up on that as well. And we'll get that store up and running as soon uh, as we can. Otherwise, folks, it's Monday. Have a great Monday. Have a great uh, week. We will see you tomorrow, hopefully, on Tuesday on Hangouts and Headlines. Uh, and just have a great one. Thank you so much for joining me again uh, this morning. Uh, and I look forward to many more to come. See you later, guys. <laughs>